Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace, here to talk some more Spawn Daily. Once again, I have the uh, reading order extraordinaire, Blake Whitley, with me. Uh, for those that aren't uh, aware, we are now going to do more of a deep dive into Spawn as opposed to just the regular reading order. But don't worry, we're still going to do the regular reading order. We're still going to do the regular series. It's still going to be one issue per episode. But based on Blake's incredible reading order and how much that stuff really affects what happens in the regular book, I decided to loop in some other series that tie in like Curse of Spawn, Spawn Batman, Angela, Violator, all that stuff that's referenced by editor's notes in the regular series. So a lot of that other extra content, I'll call it, we're going to be doing four or five, sometimes six episodes in uh, or six issues in one episode just to kind of condense it down. But for the rate and those episodes might run a little longer, but for the regular uh, series, just like we've always done, it's going to be one issue per episode. So, uh, again, Blake Whitlow's reading order, just Google that or go to the show notes and click on the link. You can see it. It's a Google Doc. It's really simple to follow. Blake's even going back and based on our conversations, putting in some more notes about some of the other uh, content in the reading order that's not the main spawn series and talking about where it belongs and why. So it's a, it's a really great resource. And if like us, you want to celebrate the 30th anniversary of spawn by immersing yourself, going back, taking a trip down memory lane, cause you've experienced it before, or if you've never experienced it and you want to jump on the new content, the new shared universe that Todd McFarlane is trying to build with King spawn and gunslinger spawn and the scorched, this is the perfect place because that's why we're doing it also. So we can, you know, catch up to that new stuff and hopefully we'll have Todd on at some point. Hopefully we'll have Greg Capullo on. I have some other creators in mind as well that maybe haven't even worked on Spawn, but are big Spawn fans that want to come on and, and talk about what Spawn's meant for them. So we'll have all that stuff down the line. But for today, let's go ahead and dive into uh, the book that we're up to, which is issue number 54. So let me go ahead and share my screen with everybody. This is one of my favorite issues in the entire series. I, really? I love this issue. It just, it did such a great job for so many different reasons. And, and we'll get into it, but I love this issue. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot to like. Um. Yeah, I, I can't necessarily argue with your with your choice, especially when we get to the last page. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, we have one. Once again, we have an awesome Greg Capullo cover. Uh, he does the line work, McFarland inks, Brian Haberlin on the colors. That's the same team you see inside the credits on the front cover with Danny Mickey, also credited with inks, Tom Orzakowski, copy editor and letterer. Haberlin on colors with an assist from Dan Kemp. We do see the recap for those that may not have joined us for issue 53. In that issue, we saw Al Simmons finally finish his journey, trek, whatever you want to call it, through uh, the different levels of hell. He confronted Malbolgia. Blake and I talked about how it, it's sort of up in the air. The rules are never clearly established. It's sort of up in the air how much control over Spawn or Al Simmons Malbolgia actually has. Is he pretending to have more control than he might in order to manipulate Al Simmons. Yeah, probably so, regardless of how much control he actually has. But I commented on the fact that Al has been so fearful of using up his power and going back to hell at some point 
And I think that threat has been lessened a little bit because it sort of happened like his worst fear happened, right? He used his power to heal the cancer in his best friend, Terry, his former best friend, Terry Fitzgerald's body went to hell and now he's returned. We saw at the end, he's returned to earth. So I think going forward, it's going to feel like maybe less of a threat. I mean, I could be wrong, um, but it's probably, he's not going to worry about that so much. I think these, uh, these next few issues really, he's more focused on, I feel like kind of grabbing control of his life and being kind of more in charge of what happens to him. I, mm-hmm. I think Blake in issue 50, you were talking about how, uh, when we covered issue 50 about how Al has really just kind of let events come to him rather than having any agency. And it feels like with these issues, uh, you know, 54, maybe through 58 or so, maybe even a little past that, that he's definitely trying to, gain some control and, you know, make decisions and, and affect the things that are affecting him rather than let all these events just keep piling on him. What do you think? I think uh, you're completely right. After seeing how, uh, after being exposed to, you know, Mel Bolgia again, seeing some of the games that are being played and he has a better idea of who he is and how he fits into all this uh now you know 50 issues in he uh he's seeing for the first time like okay Malbolgia is a big threat Malbolgia is something that i've got to work up to and i can't keep doing the same thing that i've been doing this whole time that's not getting me anywhere i've got to change somehow i've got to adapt better to this situation and stop moping, (laughs) you know, get off my ass. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. It's a good point. So what is interesting though, is as 54 opens up, we see Al, he's sitting on his throne and he's thinking to himself, uh, he's been told to embrace what he is, let it bathe you. Only then will your existence matter. That's, you know, in terms of of getting agency, only then will your wife be left unscathed. That's another thing he needs to let go. She's not your wife anymore, man. You were dead for five years, dead and buried. But, you know, in his mind, he can't let go. It hasn't been five years for him and you can kind of understand it, but it's something that he's still hung up on. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking about drinking man's sins. Again, that's how he nourishes his costume. All the evil change become something else. Uh, a servant of hell live on instinct. You've got that craving for blood. So, it's a little bit contradictory at times. We talk about him gaining agency and him actually planning things and not letting events just occur, but then at the same time, living on instinct. I mean, that's what hell wants for him. Hell wants him to embrace the evil, live on instincts, live on emotion. Don't uh, plan things out. So it's such a dichotomy. He's, he's such a, a complex character. And I think people don't give spawn, you know, credit enough for that. Um, but what is really interesting and creepy and we see this in the next couple of issues, starting with 54, we're told that he dwells in the darkest alleys of New York and that for some reason, victims of random murders, like murders that haven't, the police haven't even become aware of yet, or the bodies of enemies of organized crime, uh, prostitutes who've been killed, people who've overdosed, uh, derelicts who've, who've starved to death. All of them somehow find their way to that darkest part of the alleys of New York, to Rat City, and they die there. And and they've become a part of the throne 
that Spawn sits on. And again, it's very much in this idea of this contradictory character, this complicated character of Spawn, where we know that at his core, Al Simmons has heroic tendencies. You know, he got caught up in becoming an assassin for the government. It was something he was good at. And I can certainly understand that, you know, like when killing is what you're good at, but, and, you know, we as humans, we get some satisfaction with being praised, obviously, for doing something good, but just in the act of a job well done, there's something gratifying about that. But when what you're doing can so often cross that line into something that's immoral, like murder, you know, when the killing's not justified, again, it's a very complex character. And we're talking about Al Simmons before he even became Spawn. Mm -hmm. And now he's Spawn and he needs the nourishment of whatever evil that these poor people (laughs) who have died possess in them. And you see the worms at the bottom of the page. Um, Is this okay? Is it okay that all these dead bodies are, are drawn to him or people are drawn to him right at the moment of their death. And he's, he's like living off of whatever evil potential they had left. Like in a way it's really macabre and it's really creepy and horrific. But on the other hand, if he's going to use what he gains from these people for good, do the ends justify the means? Like it's, it's certainly creepy. And this is certainly a, a really horrific page in a lot of ways from, uh, from Capullo, man. I mean, it's super detailed, but mm-hmm. it's not for the faint of heart. He, uh, he definitely crosses the line in many, many ways. Uh, should I be rooting for Spawn? Is he a hero? Is he an anti-hero? Or is he just a straight-up villain? Because so much of his character, so much of his powers revolve around evil and him trying to defy that evil and find loopholes around it, you know? Like, he doesn't want to be subservient to this evil force, but at the same time, he kind of has to play their game. He has to surround himself with these disgusting worms and draw power from, you know, the evil or, or whatever in in the sin in these people. And, you know, he, he's he got a throne of dead bodies. Yeah, it's of, really crazy. From unsolved murders and, and people who OD'd. Like, the moral thing to do would be to give those bodies to a hospital or give those bodies to the police or something, you know? Maybe the, 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 you know, mobster or whatever that died in the alley would have been like a crucial piece of evidence in solving other murder cases or something. And Al just isn't thinking in that space. He's like, here's a body. I can use it to give myself an advantage. Yeah. I mean, the counter argument to him turning it over is, can he do more good? You know, like if you're talking in a purely philosophical sense, you know, what is the greatest good? Um, can he do more? Can he balance the scales more on the side of good by not reporting these crime, not reporting these bodies, not turning these bodies in, taking the power he can get from them and using it to do good? Now, I would argue that he's sort of too wrapped up in himself at this point in, in who he is to really say. It's not like he's thinking, I'm going to wage war against hell or I'm going to make the world a better place. Now he is more, he is still focused and always has been on Wanda and, uh, and kind of making his existence better. And so he's he still running he, on instinct. <laughs> yeah. He, and he, 
he's using these bodies for self, you know, he, he's empowering himself so that mm-hmm. he, for the sake of having power, so he can do what he wants to do. And, and don't get me wrong, there is something to be said for that and giving him agency in terms of, you know, a good story. But yeah, the morality of it is, is totally different. You know, Very it's not, great. it's not the same as, okay, well, he needs these, the, the evil that these bodies potential that they possess or whatever energy he's pulling from them just to continue to exist. He's taken it a step beyond that. And again, I would argue that I might be more willing to overlook it if he was saying, okay, I'm going after, you know, quote unquote, bad guys, or I'm, you know, stopping wars or whatever, but no, he's focused on, Hey, I want to do what's best for, for me and protect the people that I care about. In that situation, it's it's like a dark gray morality. You know, he's yeah. doing it for selfish reasons. He can't even use the excuse. Well, the ends justify the means because yeah. he's he doesn't a, he's, have an end goal in mind right now. He's just living from moment to moment. <laughs> yeah. And we do know we saw at the end of last issue that Terry woke up from a dream with Spawn there, um, you know, in his dream revealed as Al. He finally accepted it. So. He's out there in the dark alleys. He's looking for Al. Obviously, it's a dangerous place. He's run into Al there before. He wants some answers. You know, he has accepted the fact that Spawn and Al are one and the same. So as he's searching around, he runs into a, a couple of bums um, and they they kind of accost him and say, you know, what are you doing on our turf? You better have a good reason. He's like, ah, I'm trying to find somebody. I'm trying to find a friend. They're like, man, you don't have any friends around here. Give us your wallet. Get out of here. Uh, you don't belong here. And uh, luckily for Terry, before he gets like physically assaulted or robbed, uh, Cogliostro shows up and says, hey, guys, put away your weapons. Uh, leave this guy with me. And they're, they're kind of reluctant. They say, hey, Cog, like we don't like the way this guy looks like, you know, we're just protecting our own territory. Cog's like, no, he, he's, you know, leave him with me. I know who he is. I'll take care of it. And uh, when Terry goes to thank Cog, Cog's like, what are you doing? He yells at him, like, what are you doing here, man? This is not wise. It's not a safe place for you to be. Um, and Terry's like, I got to find Spawn. I know he lives around here. I-, I know the truth about him. I know he's my friend. And Cog the Oster is like, wait, so what? Like, what's your interest in him? And that's where we kind of leave it, uh, at least for a-, a few moments as we check in on Sam and Twitch and their crime mobile. And uh, Twitch is taking some notes on his notepad, but doing it on the car and that, you know, that freaks Sam out. What are you doing? You're going to scratch the paint. We got to take care of this baby. But then, of course, as soon as they open the door, all kinds of wrappers and bottles fall out and everything. And Sam's like, oh, it's the exterior that counts. Uh, to which Twitch replies, oh, I, you know, I guess I'll keep that in mind. As I head to the docks to meet with that same guy that we talked about previously who slid the file under their door. All this other information about some other guys that were involved in the conspiracy with Chief Banks and Jason Wynn and all of that. The ones that got off scot-free that were sort of named in the information that they had, they now have more information. And we're told that that guy agreed to meet Sam and Twitch. Their speculation is he is some high-ranking government official, but he didn't show up last time. But he has now set another meet, so they're waiting on the docks to, to find out who he is and why he's giving him the information and, and how that's all gonna gonna play out. So we're checking in on Sam and Twitch here. And I do appreciate that McFarland does have us check in, but that that plot line moves pretty slow, has been moving pretty slow and continues to move pretty slow for the next few issues. So uh, we and we do get a, a 
a scene of Jason Wynn kicking back, smoking his cigars as he, uh, as he often does. Um, but not a whole lot with, uh, with Wynn, um, in this episode, uh, you know, he, I think he, that might be the only panel he shows up in as a matter of fact, but, uh, switching back to Terry, uh, spawn is there. And, uh, again, we're, it's mentioned about how all of, for whatever reason, all it's not only the bodies of these people, but a lot of the kind of detritus of their crimes, whether it be drugs or money or stolen jewels or whatever, it all seems to just find its way into that that uh, nest that Spawn has created him for himself, and um, you know whether it's stolen goods or money or, or whatever. They're all they're worthless to spawn, uh, yet they become drawn there. So as Terry finds this place <laughs> and shows up, you can see his, the look on his face there uh, when he when he finds it, because this is not this is not a place for the faint of heart. You know, with all these dead bodies just stacked up like cordwood, <laughs> like throughout the, uh, the the alleyway and, and uh, you know, spawns throne made out of dead bodies. And um, Terry's like, what? what's going on? I mean, he, he finally accepts the fact that this is his, his buddy. And when he shows up, there's all these dead bodies there. Like, and so hey Terry, buddy, I, what's, what's going on? Uh, yeah. You've got a, a couple more corpses in your general vicinity that uh, is, is more than healthy. <laughs> I've got questions. Yeah. He's like, what's going on, man. I, I need to understand for, I mean, is this really you? And spawn doesn't want to have to deal with it. He's like, get out of here. He's like, no, I, Terry, finally, I want some answers. You know, are you some murdering lunatic? Like, what the hell is going on? Um, and Alec, he kind of lashes out here, you know, because, again, don't forget that the last time that uh, Spawn attacked Jason Wynn or, or was finally going to, to give Jason Wynn final justice, I guess we'd say, Terry was the one that saved Wynn. And so Spawn is still feeling betrayed by Terry here. So, you know, when, when Terry screams at him, says, no, I want some answers spawn again, acting on instinct, like Blake mentioned, he just lashes out and just pins him against the wall. And he's, you know, screaming back at him. You stole my wife. Uh, and, and Terry's yelling, given as good as he gets, you know, he's like, we thought you were dead, man. Don't you understand dead, gone forever, buried. It was five years. You, you can't forget that was five years, you know, and Spawn is like, I, I, so five years, that gives you the right to screw my wife. And, and Terry's like trying to explain, Hey, it wasn't like we meant for it to happen. I was doing what I thought you would want me to do. You know, I was taking care of her, trying to get her through it. I, we didn't plan on falling in love. It just happened. I kind of see both sides, you know, for Al's like, Oh, is that, is that supposed to make me feel better? You know, mm-hmm. Wynn was having me killed and now you work for Wynn. You're defending him. You know, like what? And you and you stole my wife. Like this isn't right. You're yeah. living my life. And Terry's finally has a chance to explain. No, you're wrong. You, you don't understand. Wanda's innocent. Win framed me, and you know I, I'm getting close to Win to try to find a way to get back at him. And it may be that Spawn would believe this. It. I, I tend to think maybe he wouldn't. He's sort of too close to it in a lot of ways. But luckily, Terry has somebody who can corroborate his story as Cogliostro shows up. And this is a re- this is really interesting what Cogliostro says. Like first Spawn tells him, hey, get out of here. It's none of your business. 
And he's, and Cog says, no, listen, man, this, this guy used to be a friend of yours and now he's a victim and everything that's happened is because of what you've done. It's your fault, Al. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. that's what's interesting, right? Like you, you think, okay, well, it's because Jason Wynn's just a scumbag. And like, no, there's, there's more to it than that. It's the fact that Al went and stole those weapons that, that led to this. All the way back in like what issue six? Yeah. Issue six or seven. Yeah. So I I get what Al is saying, you know, Mm -hmm. saying, you know, this isn't good enough. He's betrayed me. I don't care what his excuse is. He's living my life and I'm a monster. You know, I'm disgusting. Wanda can't even look at me like, no, I, I, I refuse to to listen to anything that, that he has to say, like, I'm dead, (laughs) you know, I'm dead. And, and Terry's, you know, coming to grips with that, that, yeah, his friend, his friend is dead. So Spawn, you know, he, he says to Cog, like, why should I, like, why should I listen to you? Like why, you know, and again, Terry's saying, Hey, I'm, he framed me. I'm trying to get the information that I, I need to bury this guy, to keep Wanda safe, to keep CN safe, to keep myself safe. And it, again, I don't know that that Spawn, that Al Simmons believes Terry without Cog there to, to kind of back him up because Spawn even says, when did you become such a tough guy? Remember, Terry's not a field agent. You know, he's always been just an analyst. He's just and, a desk jockey. <laughs> yeah. And so for him to be to be doing this. Um, and so t- Terry says, well, yeah, I'm not a tough guy. I'm not a, a field agent. And that's kind of why I'm here. I, I need your help. And Spawn's again, like, why, why should I help you? And Cog reminds him, well, because this is all your fault, right? You stole those guns that nobody knew were there except for so few people. And certainly Jason Wynn is not going to think, oh, it's Al Simmons back from the dead stealing these weapons. Yeah. Terry's on the short list. Terry gets blamed for it. Everything that's happened to Wanda and Terry and Cyan to a lesser extent really is Al Simmons fault. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't want to acknowledge that he is living five years in the past. Wanda is still his wife. Terry's his best friend. And he just got murdered by Wynn. You know, like all of this is just in the last couple months for him. And it's so frustrating. And I love how Spawn's written this way in these issues is because he's not acknowledging how it's been five years for everybody else. Like he knows, but he's still not giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's like, how was Terry supposed to know? No one knows that, that Jason Wynn had Al assassinated. Nobody knows that. Like Terry doesn't know it. Wanda doesn't know it. They just thought he died in the line of duty. So there's no reason for them to think like, oh, I'm going to go work for, you know, the guy that murdered my best friend. Like, like that's not in Terry's head. That's not why he did that. But Al thinks that Terry's like maliciously trying to hurt Al somehow. It's like, dude, you died five years ago. You haven't been here. Like, I had no idea. And in one of the previous episodes, we, we uh, were talking, Al has a discussion uh, with someone and he basically gives Wanda the pass. He, he tells 
uh, I think it was the fourth Lord, uh, the Lord of the fourth hell. He, um, he's like, no, it's okay. You know, Wanda had to move on. She had to heal. She had to grow. She gave, he gave Wanda the pass because Wanda's pure. Wanda's innocent. He loves Wanda. That's his always been his number one motivation, but he doesn't give Terry the pass. And, and I just think that that's, uh, that's so interesting that it's okay when she moves on, but it's not okay when Terry moves on. And he, he holds so much against Terry when Terry is just as innocent in all of this as Wanda is. Yeah. And it goes even beyond that because it's, it's one thing for Terry to be innocent, of, you know, of, of what Spawn thinks that he's done, what Al thinks he's done. It's another thing for Terry to be bearing the brunt of things Al has done. Mm-hmm. Al stole the weapons <laughs> and it, the suspicion of that all fell on Terry. You know, yeah. Hog's own words is like, after all, why would anyone assume a dead man had done it? Yeah. Nobody. And, and even with Cog, now again, I think Spawn doesn't buy it at all if it comes from Terry's mouth. With Cog, I think Spawn at least gives, gives the idea the benefit of the doubt, but he still wants proof. And Terry says, okay, we'll be at my office tomorrow uh, and I'll show you. And then we do get a uh, a scene with the talking heads here. Uh, and th- this is interesting. I, d- I don't think it necessarily has a lot to do with this particular issue, but all three of the different talking heads here, they're all talking about different areas of unrest in the world and CIA involvement. The implication being that the CIA is supplying weapons and by the CIA, I mean, Jason Wynn kind of behind the scenes, destabilizing. And um, I will say this about, and we'll talk about it more when we get into the next issue based on what happens. But just based on what's going on in the world right now, it's a little strange to be, t- to be talking about this kind of stuff with North Korea and Eastern Europe and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like I said, we'll get into that more in the next issue, and you'll see why for, for obvious reasons. So uh, the following night, Terry's hanging out at his office late, waiting for Spawn to show up, kind of uh, not telling Wanda the truth. He doesn't want Wanda to know that Al's back. Uh, he want, He's trying to keep her safe. That may be another part of the reason, and we we haven't gotten there yet, but it may be something else that has to do with the friction between Al and Terry. Um, But once uh, once Spawn shows up, Al shows him the the information he has. And again, don't forget that Al Simmons was a major operator for the CIA. Like he not only was he just a trigger man, but he's very intelligent in the way that, you know, arms are moved around and deals are done and government being, you know, backed by other governments and that sort of thing. So he's a great analyst as well. You know, he lived that life for so long. And so it's not too long before he's, he sees the proof that, that Terry has, and he starts to believe that, yeah, Terry's onto something. Um, but as they're talking, one thing that does come up is Terry says, you're the one that healed my cancer, right? Like if you're, if you hate me so much, and you want to kill me, like, why, why did you save me? And of course, Al's not about to, to reveal his reasons. He just says, I, I had my reasons. So they come to like an agreement. Well, oh, go ahead. I feel like there's a lot of toxic masculinity built into Al because he's so macho, because he's so aggressive all the time. Yep. Uh, he, he can't emotionally connect with people the way that a regular adult would. And so, you know, he just bottles it all up. <laughs> well, I think that that's always been a part of him. And it's kind of shown in the flashbacks we see even uh, even in his relationship with Wanda. 
but mm-hmm. it's always I always got the impression that his relationship with Wanda softened him and that his relationship with Wanda brought out the best of him and kind of assumed that part of him that's, you know, always has to be macho, can't seem weak or what have you. Now the pendulum swung back so far the other way because that love of Wanda was what was exploited. His emotions were what was exploited. His emotions were what allowed Mal Bolja to make the deal with him. So yeah, his, his walls in terms of that kind of, Hey, I can't show any weakness. I can't show any, any, you know, anything that's perceived as a weaker emotion. Yeah, Yeah. I can't show any of that. So, uh, but he does agree to help Terry get some proof that Wynn is the one behind it. Uh, And as they shake on it, they lock eyes. And I think there's something that, that breaks between both of them. That wall comes down a little bit to some extent. I mean, these guys were, you know, really, really good friends. And it ends with uh, them embracing, which I think like up to this point, I mean, I haven't read every Capullo issue of Spawn, but up to this point, this is my favorite Capullo image that I've seen in a Spawn book with, uh, with Al and Terry embracing. It's just, it's such a powerful image of friendship and, and character. Yeah. It's fantastic. This is so much growth. Like literally what I was just talking about, Al and and what you were saying too, Al has put up all these walls and maybe his relationship with Wanda had softened him a little, but that edge is always there. And it's something that he was never really able to mature out of. Um, He never grew emotionally. So seeing this image after 53 issues of seeing him be closed off to the world, struggling with depression, struggling with anger and grief and, and feelings of betrayal after seeing how much he hated Terry for all these preconceived ideas, seeing this embrace was so impactful. This is my favorite shot of the whole series. And and that isn't to say that there isn't other amazing images and art and everything throughout the entire series, but this just had so much built up to it. This was really the culmination of a huge emotional arc that Spawn started all the way back in issue number one. And- It's just so good. It the lighting, the the build up to it. They shake the hands, they make the eye contact, and they're just like fuck it, and and they hug each other. It's just so good. Yeah, it really is, and, and that's something else that I want to point out. You know, as I'll flip back through here for anybody who's watching on YouTube, where you can see all the images. Uh, if you'll notice, we've been recapping this. It's not like there's a lot of action. Yeah, Spawn pins Terry to the wall. At one point, you know, that's about as actiony as it gets. There's no, there's the no fighting. Attack Terry at one yeah. point. Yeah, there's not really any sort of fight or uh, dynamic action that happens in this issue. So you got to give credit to McFarlane for pacing it really, really well in terms of of the way he set everything up with the writing, and then obviously a lot of credit to Greg Capullo for uh, the visual storytelling, where you're never bored. It, it's a very compelling issue. It reads, you know, at the same pace as any other spawn issue that does have some sort of big battle. Um, and it, it, but it very much is a talking head sort of issue. But based on the visual storytelling, based on the detail, based on the emotion and the faces that Capullo gives us, 
again, you're, you're not bored. You never go, Oh, well that, that was a crappy issue. There was like, there was no action. No, there's action, but it's, it's about emotional growth and, 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 you know, in terms of moving the story along in terms of momentum, there's a lot of momentum here, but again, it's, it's in terms of the relationship and how it changes from uh, the beginning of the issue and previous issues, obviously between Al and Terry and what it all leads to and culminates in that embrace in the end. So, I mean, I, it's this fantastic work, wonderful detail uh, throughout, like I said, you're visually, you're never bored. There's a couple of images that really stand out for me. Obviously that last one that we talked about uh, and then the spawn on the throne of, of uh, corpses, which is horrific that we talked about already, just the amount of detail, but I want to call attention to the top of the other uh, page opposite that throne where you see the eyes of spawn and the eyes of Terry um, when they're juxtaposed, when it goes to that, from that transition of us getting kind of spawns thoughts to, Hey, let's transition over to Terry. Terry is, uh, you know, on his way to look for spawn. And it's even mirrored a little bit in the two panels right below where spawns holding onto a guy's hat. And you see that sort of, circular shape of the hat and that's mirrored by the circular shape of the steering wheel as terry's driving his car to go hunt down spawn that is really interesting composition uh and page layout from uh from capullo and it's just it works so well the visual parallels that capullo he he has several motifs that he always goes back to for his entire run in spawn there's several like trends that he creates and he always falls back to and there's a beauty in repetition you know there's like a certain familiarity that you you build up and patterns that you can see one of his favorite things to do is to like start super close and zoomed in on something and then uh over the course of several panels he'll zoom out so you get the full picture and uh these visual parallel panel things where you know half the page is just uh, you know, it, it's, it's Terry side of things. And then it's spawn side of things. And it, the way that it's designed, makes it look like they're looking at each other. And like you said, with the steering wheel and then spawn holding the hat, it shows that they're in very similar spaces, more similar than they, they probably want to admit. Yeah. More similar than they realize for sure. Yeah. And as far, as far as that, um, that visual trick of being super zoomed in on something and pulling back. McFarlane does that too Mm -hmm. uh, at times. And so I really appreciate that. That's something that Capullo, because again, I've talked in the past about how Capullo's style changes to become a little more like McFarlane's style. And it it is a nice, uh, as you put it, um, to have that consistency, whether it's McFarlane, whether it's Capullo, whether it's somebody else, it's nice to have that throughput when an artist will use some of the same design elements, the same storytelling elements, uh, in, in the series, because again, it, it helps to give it some consistency of, of look throughout. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, anything else to add about issue 54 before we uh, call it good? Uh, no, I think it's good. It's, it's one of my favorites. That final shot is just so good. Yeah. <laughs> again, it's it. my, yeah, it's my favorite, my, one of my favorite images. Wow. I mean, I can only imagine uh, who has that page. They, they must have it framed up on their wall. Fantastic. Uh, I I want to get like a a full poster of it. Just hang it up. Like it's, it's just so good. I, 
I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> yeah, there's been a I've been reading this. And I, again, I've been a fan of Greg and I, he's fantastic with his fans. And, you know, I personally uh, a fan of uh, his work and and what have you. But I've never desired a, a Greg Capullo spawn page more than I do in my life right now. Like I would have thought I would, if somebody said, if you could have one Capullo page, what would it be? Uh, you know, I would probably oh, it's probably something from D.C., Maybe, you know, he's drawn Superman a few times here or there. It's my favorite character. But no, I think if I had a choice now, it would be it would be from an upcoming issue. Uh, and we'll talk about it when we get there. Uh, All right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think his spawn work is is just fantastic. Some of his best work he's ever done. No doubt. Absolutely. So. I hope one day that he uh, he makes a triumphant return. Not to say anything about the current artist for the uh, the series, but uh he, he just has such an iconic style and he, I feel like his and McFarlane's style together is really what brought people to the book in the first place because yeah. it's so good. Yeah. I mean, I know he does uh, covers from time to time, but yeah, it would be great to have him and Todd on, on just, you know, even if it was like an eight or 10 page story, just to yeah. trip down memory lane, but, but don't worry, everybody. We have plenty more issues of, uh, of Capullo and McFarlane to come uh, in this reading order. Uh, as we're doing the spawn daily. So we appreciate everybody joining us as always. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you next time. Later. You can find the comic source podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Google play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.